Chapter forty seven of Horworth's. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. Horworth's by Francis Hodgson Burnett. Chapter forty seven A Footstep. He went out no more at night. From the moment he laid his hand upon the model again, he was safer than he knew. Gradually the old fascination reasserted itself. There were hours of lassitude and weariness to be borne, and moments of unutterable bitterness and disgust for life, in which he had to fight sharp battles against the poorer side of his nature. But always at the worst, there was something which made itself a point to fix thought upon, he could force himself to think of this when if he had had no purpose in view he would have been a lost man the keen sense of treachery to his own resolve stung him but it was a spur after all the strength of the reaction had its physical effect upon him and sometimes he suddenly found himself weak to exhaustion so weak that any exertion was impossible and he was obliged to leave his post at the works and return home for rest at such times he lay for hours upon the narrow sofa in the dull little room as his father had done long before and wore a look so like him that one day his mother coming into the room not knowing he was there cried out aloud and staggered backward clutching at her breast her manner toward him softened greatly in these days it was more what it had been in his boyhood when she had watched over him with patient and unfailing fondness once he awakened to see her standing a few paces from his side seeming to have been there some moments if i had seemed hard to you in your trouble she said forgive me she spoke without any prelude and did not seem to expect any answer turning away and going about her work at once but he felt that he need feel restless and chilled in her presence no longer he did not pursue his task at home but took the model down to the works and found a place for it in his little work cell the day he did so he was favored by a visit from hallworth it was the first since the rupture between them since then they had worked day after day with only the door between them they had known each other's incomings and outgoings but had been as far apart as if a world separated them holworth had known more of murdoch than murdoch had known of him no change in him had escaped his eye he had seen him struggle and reach his climax at last he had jeered at him as a poor enough fellow with fine white-livered fancies and a woman's way of bearing himself he had raged at and cursed him and now and then had been lost in wonder at him but he had never fathomed him from first to last but within the last few weeks his mood had changed slowly it is true but it had changed his bearing had changed too murdoch himself gradually awakened to a recognition of this fact in no small wonder he was less dogged and aggressive 
and showed less ill-will that he should appear suddenly almost in his old way was a somewhat startling state of affairs but he crossed the threshold coolly he sat down and folded his arms on the table you brought somewhat down with you this morning he said what was it murdoch pointed to the wooden case which stood on a shelf a few feet from him it was that he answered that he repeated what you're at work at it again are you yes well look sharp after it that's all there's a grudge bore against it i know that murdoch answered to my cost i brought it here because i thought it would be safer ay it'll be safer take my advice and keep it close and work at it at nights when the place is quiet there's a key as'll let you in and he flung a key down upon the table murdoch picked it up mechanically he felt as if he could scarcely be awake it seemed as if the man must have brought his purpose into the room with him having thought it over beforehand his manner by no means disarmed the suspicion it is the favor i should have asked if i had thought hallworth left his chair there's the key he said abruptly use it no other chap would get it he went back to his own room and murdoch was left to his surprise he finished his work for the day and went home remaining there until night came on then he went back to the works having first told christian of his purpose i am going to the works he said i may be there all night don't wait for me or feel anxious when the great building loomed up before him in the dark his mind recalled instantly the night he had entered it before attracted by the light in the window there was no light about it now but that shut in the lantern he carried the immensity and dead stillness would have been a trying thing for many a man to encounter but as he relocked the door and made his way to his den he thought of them only from one point of view it is the silence of the grave he said a man can concentrate himself upon his work as if there was not a human breath stirring within a mile of him somehow even his room wore a look which seemed to belong to the silence of night a look he felt he had not seen before he marked it with a vague sense of mystery when he set his lantern down upon the table turning the light upon the spot on which his work would stand then he took down the case and opened it and removed the model it will not be forgotten again he thought aloud if it is to be finished it will be finished here half the night passed before he returned home when he did so he went to his room and slept heavily until daylight he had never slept as he slept in these nights heavy dreamless sleep from which at first he used to awaken with a start and a perfectly blank sense of loss and dread but which became at last unbroken night after night found him at his labor it grew upon him he longed for it through the day he could not have broken from it if he would 
once as he sat at his table he fancied that he heard a lock click and afterward a stealthy footstep it was a sound so faint and indistinct that his disbelief in its reality was immediate but he got up taking his lantern with him and went out to look at the entrance passage it was empty and dark and the door was shut and locked as he had left it he went back to his work little disturbed he had not really expected to find the traces of any presence in the place but he had felt it best to make the matter safe perhaps the fact that once or twice on other nights the same light indefinite sound fell upon his ear again made him feel rather more secure than otherwise having examined the place again and with the same result it troubled him no more he set it down to some ordinary material cause after his first visit hallworth came into his room often why he came murdoch did not understand very clearly he did not come to talk sometimes he scarcely spoke at all he was moody and abstracted he went about the place wearing a hard and reckless look utterly unlike any roughness and hardness he had shown before the hands who had cared the least for his not altogether ill-natured tempests in days gone by shrank or were restive before him now he drove all before him or passed through the room sullenly it was plain to see that he was not the man he had been that he had even lost strength and was suddenly worn and broken though neither flesh nor colour had failed him among those who had made a lion of him he was more popular than ever the fact that he had held out against ill luck when so many had gone down was constantly quoted the strikes which had kept up an uneven but prolonged struggle had been the ruin of many a manufacturer who had thought he could battle any storm Horworth's had held its own and weathered the worst this was what the county potentates were fond of saying upon all occasions particularly when they wanted hallworth to dine with them at their houses he used to accept their invitations and then go and sit at their dinner tables with a sardonic face his humour it was remarked with some regret was often of a sardonic kind occasionally he laughed at the wrong time and his jokes were not always easy to smile under it was also remarked that mr french scarcely seemed comfortable upon these festive occasions of late he had not been in the enjoyment of good health he explained that he suffered from nervous headaches and depression his refined well-moulded face had become rather thin and fatigued looking he had lost his effusive eloquence he often sat silent and started nervously when spoken to but he did not excuse society at all all was going out upon any state occasion when his partner was to be a feature of the feast once upon such an occasion he had said privately and with some plaintiveness to hallworth i don't think i can go tonight, my dear fellow i really don't feel quite equal to it blast you said hallworth dispensing with social codes 
you'll go whether you're up to it or not we'll keep it up to the end it'll be over soon enough he evinced interest in the model in his visits to the workroom which seemed a little singular to murdoch he asked questions about it and more than once repeated his caution concerning it being kept close i've got it into my head that you'll finish it some of these days he said once if naught happens to it or you end of chapter forty seven recording by john brandon